1: dot com, Code Deal Welcome to She Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat and enjoy.
2: Let's start off with your background, and that way you can kind of fill me in a little bit more about it. And you might have to talk to me like I'm five, to be honest with you, just so I can get a better uh, understanding of it. So if you want to go ahead and kick us off with that, and we'll get the conversation flowing from there.
3: Okay, sure. So it's actually my 30th year in business. And as life would morph and change, so would business. And I, I started in health and then mindset and then personal development and then trauma. I had a really painful betrayal from my family and uh, thought I did what I needed to do to heal. Uh, but um, Apparently there was more to do. A couple of years later, it happened again. This time it was my husband. So got him out of the house and looked at the two experiences. And I was like, well, what's similar to these two? I mean, of course I am, but what else? And I realized that you know boundaries were always getting crossed and um, it wasn't really taking my needs seriously. So I knew something drastic had to change. So here I was, four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. I was 50 and I'm like, we're going back for a PhD. And it was in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation. And human potential because I was changing so much. I didn't quite understand it. He was too on his own, wasn't ready to look at that. Um, I didn't know how I was going to do this program, how I was going to pay for it. But I knew something big had to change. Anyway, (laughs) it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal and what happens to us physically, mentally and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat and deceive? That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my business, my family, my life.
2: Wow. So what are those three brown greken discoveries?
3: Yeah. So the first was first I was setting something called uh, I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And, and uh, for those who aren't familiar, post-traumatic growth is, if you can imagine kind of an upside of trauma, any trauma, how any trauma, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, leaves you with a new insight, awareness, perspective you didn't have. Like maybe you lose someone you love and you realize life is short, like that kind of thing. Okay. But I had been through death of a loved one. I had been through disease. I had been. I was in the ICU 11 days, miracle I'm alive. But I was like, you know, betrayal feels different for me. I didn't want to assume. so I asked all my study participants and I said, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Unanimously, they said, oh my gosh, it's so different. Here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the whole self is shattered and has to be rebuilt. Rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust, they're they're all shattered. So It didn't quite qualify as post-traumatic growth. It was like post-traumatic growth and rebuilding the self. So I coined a new term, uh, which is now called post-betrayal transformation. That's the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal. So that was the first discovery. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, this was this was pretty crazy. Um, So I four weeks after the birth of my son. So I had a 16 month old and a newborn. And I remember waking up one morning and I was like, something's really wrong. Like I knew something was, this wasn't just, I wasn't feeling well, like something felt really off. So my mom was alive at the time. She's since passed. I had her come over because my, my husband was leaving for work. And I was like, I, I, I can't be alone with these two babies. And um, so I remember she came over and it just got worse. I got worse and worse. And I remember at one point, um, my stomach just started getting so distended it looked like I was six months pregnant and my energy, I had no energy and I couldn't even call for her. Like nothing was coming out. So I remember taking the remote and throwing it at the door just so she would hear me no. and she opened the door and I passed out. She, uh, thank, thankfully, uh, she heard me throw the remote at the door and, uh, rushed me to the hospital. And, um, I had 104, my pressure was 88 over 44. Uh, By this point, she called my husband, met us at the hospital, and um, they thought it was appendicitis because my stomach was just getting so blown up. But so they did an appendectomy and that's when they saw the infection. And um, it turned out it was something called peritonitis, which is an entire infection of your peritoneal cavity. So they uh, suctioned out between a pint and a quart of strep pneumonia. Um, so I was quarantined in the ICU for 11 days. I mean, it's a miracle. I'm alive. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was intense. And, and I remember, uh, back in those days, there was a nurse who taught me how to use the morphine drip and it was like drip pass out, wake up pain would be so bad drip pass out from the pain, wake up drip. And that was it. And then, uh, and I remember a few days in, Cause at the first few days, I didn't even know what was happening. And then later on, I remember a few days in and the pain was otherworldly. Like I had never experienced anything like this. And I just remember like, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And, and that was the moment. Like I pictured my husband and these two babies and the deal was I signed up to be their mom and they signed up to be my kid, you know, my kids. And I was like, mm, mm. And I don't know if I screamed it in my head or out loud, but I remember I was like, God, universe, source, anything, get me out of here. And I know, I know that's the reason why I'm alive. That's what changed that whole moment right there. That determination of just getting me out of there because the doctors were shocked that I survived that. They said my age and condition uh, saved my life. It's not. It was that decision.
2: I know it. So, th- was there anything? Did you have any symptoms
3: before this, or did this just come on unexpectedly? I mean,
2: man, I can't yes. imagine. I can't imagine what you went through with something like that. I mean, I've never had anything you know, like
3: it. It was it was intense, but I'll tell you. Um, even though I've been through and I've lost loved ones and, and, you know, been through peritonitis and this was crazy. Nothing, nothing got me like this betrayal. Nothing. That was the hardest, by far the hardest thing. And you know, what we, what we learned too, and I'm I'm happy to share the other two um, uh, discoveries. Sure. Healing is always a choice, you know, whether we rebuild ourselves and move on. And that's what I wound up doing with my family. It, it wasn't an option to heal with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something entirely like from the ground up new with the person who hurt you. And that's what I did with my husband. Like not long ago, we actually married each other again. New rings, new vows, new dress. And our four kids is our bridal party. Um, and never in a billion years... Would I have done that if I hadn't done the work that I had done, if I wasn't totally different for sure, if he wasn't totally different. So I've been on every side of this except being the betrayer.
2: (laughs) So that's really admirable that you two actually got back together. I mean, I come from a family of divorced parents, and they resent each other almost at this point.
3: Well, it's really easy to do that. And I, and I get it. And actually um, the third discovery, uh, this is, this is, you know i i wrote the book trust again um and that's that was where i mean i i put the discoveries in there it was it's basically like my dissertation but who wants to read that you know so i made it much reader you know reader friendly and put it in trust again and one of the biggest discoveries was that and i'm happy to go through them that while we stay stuck for years decades a lifetime and so many of us do if we're going to fully heal and by fully heal i mean symptoms of post betrayal syndrome and i'll get to that yeah. to the fully healed place of post betrayal transformation we're going to go through 5 now proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we even know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. So so healing truly is predictable. When you said that about your parents, what is so typical is most people get to and stay stuck in stage three. I mean, so much so that this book actually was just released two weeks ago from Hardened to Healed. It is just four people stuck in stage three, because I found the resentment, the anger, the bitterness, the, the, the like life of suck, (laughs) you know, it's, that's that stage three. And, and, you know, when I go through the stages, you will see exactly why that's where people land and stay and good chance. Both of your parents are still there. You know, It could definitely be from, now here's the thing, even though the stages were discovered because of betrayal, studying betrayal, they really apply to any traumatic experience or even a set of limiting beliefs. Like it could be from something someone said to you when you were a little kid that you made to mean, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, I'm not deserving, whatever. And then that belief system has taken you to this stage three and has kept you there your entire life. Now, I don't know because I don't know your story, but very likely because it's so common. Most people you know are in stage three. And like I said, transformation doesn't even begin until stage four, which is so intentional. And and you know, you mentioned before we got on air, you're gonna be watching. Um, you wanted to watch my my TEDx's I did two of them. The first was stop sabotaging yourself. The second is do you have post-betrayal syndrome? But um, stop sabotaging yourself. That first one, that's really all about um how we sabotage ourselves to stay stuck, because it causes way too big of a shakeup when we when we're not stuck. Because people, you know.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, it's
3: like we're, we're using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior, you know, anything to numb, avoid and distract ourselves from what's so painful to feel or face. And we do that. Uh, but the, the challenge is, you know, the stakes get bigger. It's like the voice gets louder and louder that we that something needs to change. So, but we want to ignore that. So the stakes get bigger and bigger. So if you take, you know, one glass of wine, it's taking two or three. used to take one show. You're binge watching a whole series. used to take, you know, one small shopping spree. You're spending a lot more. So the stakes get bigger and bigger. And, um, you know, that, that theory kind of works until it doesn't.
2: You know, it reminds me, I think in 2015 or 16, I I was reading I think I read about this or it was on another podcast, but they did an experiment with mice where they actually put them in different. Uh, habitats, I guess you could say. And like one of them, they actually filled one of their water bowls. with I think it was heroin, but I'm not 100%. And the other one, it was all normal. just normal water and everything. And they actually made of, their cages really nice. And one, they wanted to live there. But the ones who didn't have anything and they hated living in that cage, they actually went to the heroin every time versus the ones that were actually happy with their living conditions. So that's what it sounds like, like people who were just – self-destroying you know, themselves and just happy, unhappy with the way they are. They're just going to those drugs, like you just mentioned, like even with mice and animals now. So,
3: Oh yeah. And you know, that's what it is. It's like, we're, we, we're not comfortable, but we don't know we can do anything about it. So we just, you know, kind of numb ourselves. It's like, I'm going to be totally dating myself here. But when, when I was a little kid, if someone said something you didn't want to hear, you know, you stuck your fingers in your ear and you're like, lah, lah, I don't hear oh, yeah, I that. Okay. All right. Well, food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy. That's the adult version of that same game. But you can't very well, you know, go to your boss and your boss is asking you to do something, and you stick your fingers in you. your. Like, oh, I can't hear you. You know, what yeah. I mean? or your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife is like, you know, we need to talk about this, and you're like, you can't do that. So what do we do? You know, we we use those things to them avoid and distract ourselves.
2: Do you think it's just because we humans, you can say humans or whatever, want to distract ourselves just because it might be partly because we're afraid of a positive change or even any type of change in our in our lives.
3: Yeah. we, we don't, You know, change is scary. Change makes us think. We don't want to think. And, and when those, if we stop numbing, we, we invite a whole set of questions like, is this working? Do I want this? Do I like this? Have I outgrown this? Mm-hmm. Does this not, you know, make sense for me anymore? What used to work doesn't work anymore. What we used to like, we don't like anymore. And when we follow that line of questions, it could shake up our entire world. Yeah. Right. Cause we have it all figured out. So we're like, you know what? Mm-mm, I'm not doing that anymore. Like, and I talk about this in that first TEDx, I gave these examples of uh, three clients that I had. Like, for example, there was one who, if you were to look at her, I mean, very successful, making a, an amazing salary, corner office. You'd look at her and you say, she's she's got it all, right? So sure. she sees me because her energy is down. We do a couple of things to get her energy back up. And all of a sudden she realizes, I hate my job. I mean, I've been climbing the corporate ladder for the last 25 years to, to, in a field. I chose just to please my parents. Never got married because of this. Never had a family because of this. I hate it. What do I do now? That's all she's ever known. So, right. So to take that on, it's like, oh, that's too big. So what does she do? Dives right back into work. Sabotages her success. Yeah. Um, and there was another one, um, a guy. Every week, meet up with his buddies, you know, they grab a, a beer and complain about their their jobs and their and their wives and their lives, you know, and then all, one day he gets into personal development and he's so excited about it. You know, all these changes. He's really excited. And he brings it to his friends, you know, one Friday night to, and thinking they'll be on board and they'll want to do all this stuff with them, go to these events and read these books, whatever. But they're looking at him like, you know, he's weird and crazy. So what does he do? He's afraid of outgrowing his friends and his tribe. So he stops with all the personal development work, and then when he meets up with them, he drinks more than he drank before, sabotaging his success. So we do it for a reason.
2: Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Their tribe, just because it seems like just we're ingrained with these tribal traits. I guess you could say, and we don't want to leave our tribes. And once we find a tribe, no matter if you're a you know, you're pro side A or pro side B, you just want to scream it from the rooftops. And it seems like that's what causes other conflicts in one's life, just because yeah, you're you know in stone yeah. with those traps.
3: Yeah, you're re- it's so true. And and actually, we're, um, that's one of the classic things I see, uh, as someone moves from stage three to stage four, is, um, you know, you, that's where friends will shift, because we're waking up. And if you want me to go through the stages, So, so stage one is like a setup stage. And I saw this with every study participant, me too. If you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everybody was this real heavy lean on the physical and the mental thinking and doing not really prioritizing the emotional and the spiritual feeling and being right. So imagine the table with only two legs. It's easy for that table to topple over. That's us stage two, by far the scariest of all of the stages. And this is shock. D-Day, Discovery Day, trauma. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. You've ignited the stress response right here. Now you're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You can't wrap your mind around what you just learned. It makes no sense. And your worldview is shattered. Your worldview is your mental model, the rules that prevent chaos and govern you. Don't go there. That person's safe. This is how life works. You know. And in a moment... Every rule has been shattered. Bottom is bottomed out, and a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. It's terrifying. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's sure. stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? Like, how do I feed my kids? Right? Here's the trap, though. Once you've figured out how to survive your experience, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you think it's good. We have no idea there's a stage four and stage five. So we we kind of feel like, okay, I better plant some roots here and figure out how to do this. So we start planting roots here. We're not supposed to, but we don't know that. Four things happen. The first thing is we get all these small self-benefits. We get to be right we get our story, we get someone to blame. We get a target for our anger. We get sympathy from everybody we tell our story to, right? And on some level that feeds us, that feels good. So we plant deeper roots here. And then the next thing happens now, because you're here longer than you should be, the mind starts doing things like maybe you deserved it. Maybe you're not all that great. Maybe this, maybe that. So you plant deeper roots because this is how you're thinking and this is what you feel like energy attracts like energy. So now you're calling situations and circumstances and relationships and people towards you to confirm. Yeah, this is exactly where you belong. You know, the misery loves company crowd. They come around now too. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here because it feels so bad, but you don't know there's anything better, right? Here's where you resign yourself. You're like, this stinks, but I better figure out a way to get used to this. So right here is where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, all that stuff. And you do that for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. And I can say to somebody 20 years out, you know, that drinking you're doing or that emotional eating you're doing or that numbing in front of the TV. you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they look at me like I'm crazy. See, it happened 20 years ago. Do you see? All they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there.
2: Yeah. For sure,
3: and I mean, people do that for life <laughs> well,
2: just i want to kind of touch on something you said that I mean I've never really went through a in my in my opinion a big betrayal experience, I guess you could say, but you know, there's been small ones that I could probably think of, but nothing like that. Yeah. I feel like it was a major impact on my life. But it, even though that you've had a family or a member t- betray you or whatever, you start guessing your own judgment about yourself. Like, no. Wait, wait, my judgment's completely off. That's kind of what you were just saying that, you know, maybe I don't know, you know, what a good person is versus a bad person and stuff. And, oh, yeah. and that, that would play with my mind
3: yeah oh trust is completely shattered and in tr- I trust again, I teach a four step trust rebuilding process because that's what happens and and if you can't trust again, you're living half a life. you really are because you can't you can only get to a certain level of Of intimacy, of closeness, of friendship, of of anything if you don't trust. And what's even worse is when you don't trust yourself, you never trust your judgment. You don't trust, you don't trust anything. And then what happens with betrayal is you certainly don't trust your betrayer. You don't trust yourself. So you're like, if I can't trust the person I trusted the most and I don't even trust myself, how in the world am I gonna trust anybody else? So it shatters trust all across the board. So I, I can finish the two the stages, and then even, and start talking about trust. Would that help? Sure. Let's do it. Yeah. Right. So but let's say you're willing to let go of those small self benefits and everything you get with it. Grieve more in the last bunch of things you need to do. You move to stage four, stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo my betrayal But I can control what I do with it. And I always use the example of if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not all there yet. It's not quite cozy, but it's going to be okay. And when you're in this kind of mental place, you start turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but at least you stop the massive damage you were causing in stage two and stage three. What's also interesting is if you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You don't take the things that don't represent who you want to be in that new space. And remember we talked about, we touched on this before. If your friends weren't there for you, you don't take them with you. So here's where you've outgrown them. If they don't rise with you, they don't come. So here's where people say to me all the time, "But I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. And if they don't keep up, they don't come like with that example of the guy, you know, my client who was doing all this personal development and -hmm. then his friends thought he was crazy. Now two things could have happened. He caved and stopped with all the personal development work. So he didn't outgrow them, but here's, Mm -hmm. if he was committed to it, and then he would have started, he would have started meeting his like-minded friends and being so into that world. If his friends wouldn't rise, good chance right there, he would have outgrown them. See how that works. Yeah. 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 Anyway, when you're in this stage four, you're making it cozy. You're making it home. You move into the fifth, most beautiful stage, and this is healing, rebirth, and a new world view. So your um, your body starts to heal. Self love, self care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. Um, your mind is healing. You're making new rules, new boundaries based on everything you see so clearly now. And you have a new worldview based on the road you just traveled. And the four legs of the table, in the beginning, it was all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages.
2: Do you ever meet or work with anybody who can't get to that fifth stage and start self healing? That they just keep allowing toxic people into their life and just keep going down this road of hurt, I guess you could say or yeah. betrayal.
3: in that, you know, within the PBT post betrayal transformation Institute. I mean, we have two types of people. We have people who come in um, where, I mean, they've recently been betrayed or there's also the type where they are stuck at stage three for a really long time. It's not a question of, they can't, I found the, um, that has the only driver, the biggest driver I should say the only biggest driver in your healing is your willingness. That's really it. Um, But what I did find, there were three groups in the study who did not heal. Um, And so it's important to know who those are, because this will stop anybody from their healing. The first was the group who refused to accept their betrayal. Like they were stuck In stage three, that was it. That was their story, they were sticking with it, they didn't heal. That sounds like your parents. The second second group, this was the group that was numbing, avoiding, distracting. So maybe they ran to the doctor who put them on mood stabilizers or anti-anxiety medication, or maybe they started drinking, emotionally eating, whatever. It may have made the, the day a bit easier to get through, not without a price, they didn't heal. The third group, this was the group where the betrayer had very little consequences. So whether it was out of fear of change, fear of the unknown, you know, financial fear, not wanting to break up a family, religious reasons, that was a big one. They just did whatever they could just to turn the other cheek, try to put it behind them. I saw two things with this group. Uh, One was a further deterioration of the relationship. And the second thing was this group was the most physically sick. Your broken heart can't handle that.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. But I get it. People are afraid of that death and destruction of the old. But it's only with the death and destruction of the old do you birth the
2: new. Yeah, you're taking that new leap of faith and trying to learn to like you just said, change again or learn yeah, trust again, I guess. But do yes. do do people All right, so that you finish stage five. Do is there anyone like are they, are you a hundred percent healed, you think, or is there is that still small little maybe one percent like the stage in the back of your head that, hmm? Yeah. You know,
3: you're, you're, you're a completely different person in stage five. You actually, you've essentially created a new identity. You take all the parts you love, you leave behind whatever doesn't serve. Um, And think about it, when you have healed from the person you trusted the most, the person who gave you, the people who gave you a sense of safety and security, when that's the person, those people to shatter that very sense sense of safety and security, it is, you can imagine how hard it is to rebuild from that. Uh, But when you do, you you are a a version of yourself, the strongest, uh, most confident, healed version. I mean, that would blow your mind. Well, yeah. I mean, is there other stuff to, to be worked on? Of course. Yeah. But what I found, though, is when someone is in that stage four, stage five, and they are they are undergoing this transformation, that's when they're ready for that new relationship, that new career, that new body, that new level of health. They, they wouldn't have had access to it. They wouldn't have been ready earlier. That's why when people get out of a terrible relationship or, you know, or they've been betrayed and they immediately go back. The only thing you can get is more of the same. So you,
1: can, changed.
2: so you think if there's any more after stage five, can you go back to a previous stage? Do you just or do you find yourself in a bad relationship again or something? You find yourself given too much trust yeah. again? And
3: it's very unlikely be on one level because you simply don't attract the same type of person. You know, we see uh, how an unhealed betrayal shows up in health, in work, in relationships, and in relationships, uh, it shows up in one of two ways, a repeat betrayal. You know, like the faces change, but it's the same thing. This, this is like the universe's way of saying there is a really big lesson here. It's not that it's your fault, it's that it's your opportunity. To learn, you are worthy, lovable, deserving. You need better boundaries in place, whatever it is. Until and unless you get that, you will keep getting opportunities in the form of people to teach you. So when you keep having these repeat betrayals, that is that's like that's the frying pan to the head of like you got to learn already something there's something big here you need to learn but we'll we'll keep giving you people to teach you but if not (laughs) all right we also see it where you know people put the big wall up they're like nope been there done that no one's getting close to me again they think it's coming from a place of strength it's not that's coming from fear so it's very easy to spot an unhealed betrayal
2: that makes sense to me that just trying to think of my thoughts, how I want to word this, but, um, yeah, it just seems like some people just still want to keep going down that same road, even if they think they are fully healed, but it's almost that they just don't see the, the light in front of them, but they just want to keep going back and just like we just talked about earlier, just keep self, you know, destroying themselves or self-destruction behaviors. But-
3: that's what they know. And and that's it. They're so hurt. Their heart's so broken. They feel, they feel so broken. They feel like a half. So then they figure, well, let me meet another half and that'll make me whole. That's never a good recipe because the only thing you do is, you know, you, you get what you're lacking from that other person. No, the whole idea is to make yourself whole. And then from that place, you meet another whole person. Then now you're a power couple. It's a whole different thing.
2: So if and when a person is betrayed, do you find it or see it more coming from the people you worked with, an enemy or more, I don't know, maybe an enemy might be not the wrong word, but more people that are close to them rather than somebody that they barely know, I guess.
3: I mean we're betrayed by by all kinds of people but the ones that hurt the most the more we trust the more we depend on someone the deeper the betrayal so for sure. example a child who's completely dependent on their parent that's going to have a different impact than let's say you you know your best friend sharing your secret right still a betrayal different level of cleanup
2: yeah so you said you coined some of these terms so you're like one of the, is there not a lot of studying going on with both well, behavioral
3: yeah, the whole thing with a with a Ph.D. study is you're supposed to find the gap in the literature. You you find what hasn't been studied yet. So betrayal was studied, um, but there was never there was never a study, a deep lived experience of someone before, during, after physically, mentally and emotionally their experience with betrayal. And uh, and I was glad I took it on. And first of all, it helped me heal. It it you know, it made these three discoveries and it changed my, like I said, my health, my family, my life. I mean, the PBT Institute is based on these discoveries because everything in there, well, what happened was like when the five stages were discovered, you can't make discoveries and go back to business as usual, you know? So I put the five stages in a program and it blew up. And then I was like, okay, how do I leverage me? So I created our certification program. So doctors, coaches, healers, therapists can know the five stages. I didn't even get to the third discovery post syndrome. We'll talk about that. Okay. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, that's really good. And I'm like, but what would happen if we just took every single thing that works, what the study proved we need, Uh, we've had 40,000 people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz. They say what they want. What if we just take everything that works and put it all under one roof in something that before now has never existed? And that's what the PBT Institute is.
2: So you said there's a certification for it.
3: Yeah. So we certify. Yeah, we have two different tracks. We have coaches and healers can become a certified PBT post betrayal transformation coach and doctors, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors can become a certified PBT practitioner. Because, like, for example, just one stat, and I'm happy to share a bunch of them with you. Forty five percent of all people who've been betrayed have a gut issue. And that could be anything from uh, Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis, constipation, diarrhea, you name it. So now think about it. Someone goes. They've been betrayed. Now they're having a gut issue. They go to an amazing gut doctor, but that gut doctor doesn't have a clue about the five stages and about what betrayal does to the gut. So you see when all of these different types of practitioners are, you know, are certified in the five stages, well now they can really help their clients and patients.
2: So, all right. So those gut issues develop just because of what's going on in the brain and the mind and, And
3: your body is just adapting to what that toxic in there. The issues are in the tissues every single time. And that's why when people, you know, they think they get, they have a betrayal and let's say they go to a therapist, therapist, first of all, if that that therapist isn't highly skilled and had to move someone through betrayal, it does more harm than good. We have a lot of people coming into the Institute with therapy trauma. Um, But even so, even if the therapist is very highly skilled, that just gets it on the mental level. Yeah. That's not doing anything for the physical or the emotional. So the whole idea is it affects us on every level. So why do we think only one level needs to be addressed? Not the full healing. That's yeah. a good question. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what we realized too. Um, you know, that was that other discovery that there's actually this collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional. So common to betrayal, it's known as post-betrayal syndrome. And um, you know, what's so interesting is we have You know, like I said, 40,000 or so people take the post betrayal syndrome quiz, men, women, every age, almost every country is represented. Um, One thing about that is, you know, we've all been taught time heals all wounds. I have proof when it comes to betrayal. That's not true. Uh, There's a question that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? People write things like my betrayal happened 35 years ago and I can uh, I'm unwilling to trust again. My betrayal happened 15 years ago and uh, and feels like yesterday. So we know betrayal is a very different experience.
2: Are people really open about their betrayals?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well well because you know, in first of all, in our community, um, they're working one-on-one with our coaches. And uh it just it, it is such accelerated healing because all of our coaches do is you know and practitioners they're all certified in the five stages so they know where someone is and the whole now that there's a roadmap a proven roadmap all they do is move them through it and they all all of our coaches are certified in the five stages but they're coming in with their own experience we have one coach 37 years as a as a therapist we have coaches who specialize in addiction narcissism divorce reconciliation self-betrayal I mean you name it yeah a little bit of everything just to get your job done, you know, that's, that's, and we bring in experts to teach master classes. So it's an amazing space.
2: So before you got your PhD, what was your, did you do a master's program? Was that along the?
3: I mean, my background is, is really strong in health and it's, okay. uh, I mean, a personal trainer, holistic dietitian, nice. master's in nutrition, functional diagnostic nutritionist, whole health coach. Uh, and now PhD in oh, transpersonal
2: psychology. Has that also always been part of your life? I mean, even growing up when you were younger, and or just health and yeah, wellness, I, and
3: I, well, I graduated when I graduated from college. It was actually a double double major in TV production, broadcast journalism. Okay. But it was uh, it just wasn't it just wasn't rewarding, and I knew I wanted to help people, but I had no idea how. So I started. I, I wanted to be in health. I knew that was the road I wanted to take, um, and so. I, I I remember registering for this sort of MSRD combo program, dietitian and masters, but I had to you know I had to pay for it. So I was like, okay, what goes well with that? And I was like, fitness. All right, I'll be an aerobics instructor back in the day. And I was like, I'm way too uncoordinated to do that. I'm like, okay, I'll become a trainer. And um and that <laughs> and that business blew up and carried me all through school.
2: Nice. So you just did personal training.
3: You yeah, way back in the day in in ninety one. <laughs>
2: Oh, it ain't that long ago. Don't worry about it.
3: <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's how, that's how started. And that business just took off.
2: Well, that's good. That's yeah. great. Well, what, what were some of those stats you just mentioned though, that with that uh, paper you just held up as far as post oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get, let's get into those a little bit.
3: So, so this is based on, you know, like I said, men, women, every age, every demographic. So, okay. 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. are hypervigilant. That's exhausting. 94% deal with painful triggers. Um, These are the most common physical symptoms. 71% have low energy. 68% have sleep issues. 63% have extreme fatigue. Those are your adrenals. They tanked. 47% have weight changes. So in the beginning, maybe you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort. And 45% have digestive issues. That's what I talked about earlier. The most common mental symptoms. 78% are overwhelmed. 70% walking around in a state of disbelief. 68% are unable to focus. 64% are in shock. 62% are unable to concentrate. So imagine you can't concentrate. You have a gut issue. You're exhausted. And you have to work. And you have to raise your kids. Mm -hmm. That's not even the emotional ones. Emotionally, 88% have extreme sadness. 83% are really, really angry. I mean, you just bounce back and forth between sadness and anger, and that's exhausting. 82% feel hurt, 80% have anxiety, 79% are stressed. So here's why I wrote the book, Trust Again, ready? 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how
2: feel like I belong in some of those percentages right there. Yeah. The it's trust crazy, ones. Right? Yeah. That's, and what,
3: that's happens. what happens. And, and people, and that those, those are the people, the people in stage, stage two to stage, stage three. And many, and many of them many stay. Of them stay.
2: <clears throat> and they'll stay there forever.
3: Forever. Yeah. And then what they'll do is they'll start medicating the symptoms. You know, they but can't not. sleep. They'll take something to sleep. They, they, their guts off. They'll take something for the gut. They have anxiety. They'll start drinking or numbing or whatever. So all they're doing then is medicating it's like symptom relief, yeah. never getting to the root of it. So they're, you know, never, never healing. And then mentally and emotionally, when you feel that bad for that long, you know, you're doing such a job on yourself mentally and emotionally, too. So, yeah, you firmly root yourself in stage three. I mean, I'm telling you, that's why I, I this just came out. It went number one in eight categories. I was shocked. Wow. Well, it, it's hitting a nerve because it's just for stage three
2: so i mean is this growing i mean are more doctors and like medical doctors being aware of this that it could just not be just you know a physical yeah doing. so yeah. yeah so i mean is, i mean i feel like it should be growing a little bit more that hey let's not look at you know this one symptom but let's take a deeper dive like you've been talking about yeah. but is it well, just not
3: it's only because of a lack of awareness i mean even a couple of years ago it was uh 20. It was just 2018 because these you know these discoveries were only made a couple of years ago. I actually spoke at a uh, it's a very well respected health and wellness conference, and they have this um, it's this series of talks called the future of health. And a hundred people submitted to speak, fifteen are chosen. I was it was an honor to be chosen to be one of the um, you know one of the, the people chosen to speak. And it was all these doctors, and and it was terrifying backstage, you know. And, um, but it was the first time I was going to be sharing about these discoveries and everything. And it turns out I won, like it came in number one, uh, because it was, it, it was such a breakthrough in the area of trauma for that time.
2: Yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean, just because I've, you know, I've never really sat down and talked to any or knew this subject, but that's why I wanted you to come on because I thought it'd be very interesting for me and that, oh yeah, it might be just a deeper thing rather than just what, when I, if I'm eating something or You know, whatever. So, and that's what most of, you know, most people I would talk to, especially in probably my area of where I live at, yeah, that's the first things they would say. Oh, you know, go check what's your stress like, go check your dot, whatever. So
3: that's it. Which is important. And we actually use health because I have a strong health background. You know, we use health strategically. It's more like let's get rid of the brain fog so you can you could think a little bit clearer. And then also because confidence is so shattered and mentally, you know, a lot of them they're in, they're in so much pain. So I may break someone's 30, 40 year sugar addiction. And I'm like, they're like, How did I do that? I'm like, okay, well, if you could do that you think you could change some of this, you know, thinking you're doing. So we we use it strategically. Health is a huge uh, component. It's also, you know, it's one of the few things when life is completely chaotic, it's one of the few things we have control over. So for someone who feels like their life is completely upended, it's important to feel like, okay, you know what? At least I control what I eat and how I move. So it, it's really important, but I'm not necessarily using health for them to like look good in their skinny jeans. You know, it's, it's just coming from a different place.
2: Yeah. So, all right, let's say I had a sugar addiction and you know, I'm known to crush some gummy bears on the weekends here, but so for 30 or 40 years, I mean, sugar is obviously one of the most, the biggest enemy in America with obesity. So how would you help say generally, how would you help like someone like me if I had a problem, break my addiction of sugar?
3: Yeah. Well, so, you know, I mean, it's not, that's not like, where I'm, where I'm leading you know coming from like i would look at it like for you to have a sugar addiction i'm never going to approach the food for me it's, it's you're doing that for a reason it's doing something so i'm way more interested in in what's driving the behavior you know people talk about, they, they feel like okay well if i change the behavior i'll have a different result right which mm-hmm. makes sense but i'm looking at it like what goes before the behavior it's the belief Concert. So the belief is driving the behavior. So it's sort of a waste of time just to work on the behavior to get the different result because it was the belief that was driving it. So I'd rather get there.
2: I'm with you. That makes per- that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I got you there. Well, how long did it take you to write your
3: book? I mean, this is my sixth one. So books don't, you know, I, I that's, you know, for me, that's, it just, it. if a book needs to be written, it just flows.
2: Does it come easy for you then?
3: The writing, not the marketing, but the writing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I did my master's degree and one of the reasons I never went for my PhD was just because I didn't want to write a dissertation. And I just thought it would be one of the most horrible experiences in my life. And looking back on it, I kind of I kind of wish I would have done it just to have that now. I mean, it's probably a small regret, but.
3: Yeah. Well, keep in mind, I mean, mine was. I never thought I'd ever go back for it. I mean, it was brutal, but um, this was all something I was obviously meant to do. You know, and, and I just remember going through it, saying just going through the program, saying if I can heal, I'm just taking everybody with me. So clearly this was I was meant to do this for, a, you know, just for a big reason, because, uh, yeah, you're right, though, that that dissertation piece was grueling. Yeah. But then again, I, and that's why I wrote Trust Again, because um, when I, I saw I must have spent. 500 plus hours on the dissertation and 250 studies. And and I'm like, and three people are reading it like that math just doesn't make sense. So I'm like, no, I'm going to make this reader friendly and get this message out to the world.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you're doing it. I mean, I feel like more people would need to hear about this, but I mean, do you ever hear any, you know, I guess, uh, I don't want to say, I guess naysayers would say, "Nah, that's not true. I mean, just if you betray, just get over it and move on with your life. You know, you don't really need all this stuff. I mean, what do you say to.
3: They can. I mean, listen, and not only did I, did I live it? I'm the one who did the study on it. So, I mean, I have the proof, but if if they'd rather have their story, they're entitled to it. And that's it. You know, people would rather have their story because if they do, they don't have to look at themselves. They don't have to change. They can keep things as is. So, you know, where they are right now in their life. That's what they where they're coming from. And it's I don't look at that as it's my job to change them. It's okay. Yeah, that makes sense to me.
2: Do you ever uh, meditate or provide meditation services for?
3: uh, for Yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, that's where the downloads happen. So so, you know, if you're so stressed and filled with anxiety and everything like you can't get those downloads. I mean, whenever I'm writing a book, it's just it's kind of coming through me, you know, so. Try to keep uh, just try to keep things as as clear and clean as I can.
2: Nice, nice. I mean, you don't deal with any writer's block or anything, or
3: I mean, Some? sometimes. But if the message has to come out, that it always finds a way. Huh? Yeah. And I don't write them just because it's like time to write another book. Like I wrote from hardened to healed because I found. I mean, and trust again just came out last year, but I just found that so many people. We're just getting stuck in stage three, so I just realized there was a need for it, and um, and I just tell some some really powerful stories in there, and and just show people what staying stuck is doing to them, yeah. and what they could have if they're willing to let go of their stories for something that just serves them so much better.
2: It's so what you know, you know. I I teach maybe a couple of CrossFit classes a week, and that some people have certain fitness goals of it or whatever, but a lot of people just. They say they want to achieve that goal, but it's like, do you really want to achieve that goal? It's like they don't want to do anything about it as far as taking that first step and to go into a positive change. So,
3: you know, transformation begins when you tell yourself the truth. And and, and most people would rather just say something. But the follow up requires a very different way to think and act and behave. And that's what people don't want to do.
2: Yeah. Well, the truth hurts to a lot of people. Yeah. And that's when they want to f- rather just ball up and go into a corner and just continue like their ways, like kind of what we were talking yeah. about earlier. So, yeah.
3: And they can, you know, but the people who are ready for, t- you know, transformation. And it's interesting because people coming into the PBT Institute, I used to say it's if you've been betrayed by a family member, partner, friend, coworker, self. And then I realized, you no, it's not. It's for people ready to heal from the betrayal of. You know, a family member, a partner, friend, because the truth is, if you're not ready, you don't you're if you're getting too much out of staying stuck, you're not going anywhere. So uh, the PBT Institute is not the place for you.
2: Yeah. I mean, it seems like, you know, based on what I've heard, it's like people who have, you know, alcohol addiction stuff. Once you finally hit rock bottom, it's like, OK, like I'm ready to take my first step. And
3: it's like how AA is to alcohol.
2: The PBT Institute is to betrayal. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Well, Doctor W, you've been generous with your time, and I don't want to hold you up anymore. And I really appreciate you coming on here and talking with me. But um, so, if people want, if you want to give this out, you can. But if people want to find your books, find your social media, your own stuff. I mean, how would they do that?
3: Yeah, I would say take that the healed or hardened quiz dot com. I mean, see what stage you're in, and you'll see what force of nature you are. Just healed or hardened quiz dot com.
2: Okay, and if they want to? is your books on Amazon and all that good stuff on Amazon?
3: I mean, you can also, if you want, um, so the, the newest book is from hardened to heal. So you can, you can get it from Amazon from hardened to heal. Uh, and then, uh, if you go to the PBT is in post betrayal transformation, the PBT forward slash from hardened to heal, you put in your receipt, you get all kinds of bonuses. Once you purchase the book. Yeah.
2: Great. That's great. Well, again, thank you again. I really have enjoyed that conversation. I learned I feel like I learned a few good things and I can take with me and hopefully share with some other people. So
3: Great. Thanks so much.
2: You're very welcome no, and all right. And we'll call that a night. All right. Good news and good night, everybody.